this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, a teenager, um, uh, various appliances, <laughs> nothing that's sentient yet uh, uh, in the appliance category. Though. Look, I, I, it is important to me to make sure that nothing gains sentience in this house that isn't supposed to have sentience. Did you throw away the leftover chicken soup? Again, it's important for me to no, I haven't. I'll, I'm gonna. I'll take care of that after. I was. I was. I was doing things in preparation for telling people that noises happen. Yes. Often they're teenager or cat related. Uh, and if we were filming during the daylight, it would be dots in the rooster related. My God, he has some lungs, doesn't he? Yep. Um, we you might put the chickens away. Right? Yeah, I, I put the chickens away. We we might start to hear from Dotson more on some of the interviews because I've been doing them during the day. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. The other thing to mention at this point in time is we swear. Oh, do we? We swear a lot. We're not afraid of swearing. We are open to using strong language, not just as a crutch, but as a way of life. <laughs> and as such... It's a sentence enhancer. Yes. As SpongeBob said, yes. <laughs> Uh, and as such, this podcast is rated PG-13 and listed as explicit because I don't have anything between clean and explicit. I can mark things as on the different podcast publication platforms. I'm looking at you, Apple. This is all your fault because you only allow <laughs> the two. So up yours. Anyway, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 65. Wow. It has been a less than eventful week, thankfully. Than, than the last week was. For you. For me. Uh, so I, I can only gauge by me. True, true. And, you know, so I, I finished my week off and have started really digging into uh, the next phase of finding my next opportunity, my next job, and starting by looking at what's out there and figuring out who I, what, what kind of company I want to work for and what what role I really want. And I think that's important because it's really easy to run out and say, I need a job right now. Gimme, 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 and end up someplace that's shitty. Yeah. And there are times when you just have to do that because, right. you know, the rent needs to get paid. Yeah. You, you have the luxury of having a little bit of a buffer. I do. So you can... Be a little more selective and try to find something that's a good fit, which is a luxury I don't think you've had before, honestly. Not not in recent memory. Not yeah. in several years, if not, um, I want to say a decade. Yeah. Right? I think the even when I was getting not this last job, but the job before it, the one that lasted almost eight years and the longest job, <laughs> longest time I've ever been in a single job, um, that one wasn't quite so much a luxury. Uh, because the buffer had sort of run out and we were certainly skirting some edges of, of what we were able to, to support without me working when the perfect opportunity basically fell out of the sky. Yep. Yep. And that was, you know, it was a good gig for many years. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, no complaints about that, but this time it's nice to be able to say, nice to be able to be deliberate about it without being panic stricken yes right and i this time i don't have to worry about like last time if i didn't get a second interview it was a big blow to my ego if i got a second interview but then got turned down after that that was an even bigger blow to my ego and just a, a loss of time while the clock was ticking right right and this time 
as I'm I'm talking to people, I'm talking to different people in different groups. I'm not idly sitting on my laurels, sitting there going, boy, it would really be nice to work for X or Y. No, I, I have some inquiries open, so it's not like I'm sitting here daydreaming. But uh, it's That's my job. Yeah. There's a there's a lot more research into it this time. And the thing is, I went out and I looked at the market, and yeah, I could walk out and get a job as a sysadmin at a very large company probably relatively quickly, and I would be miserable, and I'm aware of that fact. And it's it's still a last resort of yeah. it may come to that, but yeah. hopefully it won't. Yeah, I'm not I, – I'm, I, that's sort of like the backup plan. It's um, – it's not as shitty a backup plan <laughs> as uh, was expressed to me by Howard Taylor, who we're working on rescheduling the interview with him, um, who uh, several years ago at Worldcon, uh, you know, how you doing? Uh, he's like, oh, you know, we're doing okay. How are you guys doing? I said, it's it's been great for fan interactions. Yeah, I think he asked if we were selling it all at the convention. Uh, no, uh, Yeah, and he said, oh, so sales are terrible. I said, no, <laughs> literally, this is about fan interactions. We're not here to sell for once. It's we're, we're here because this is where the fans are, and one of our publishers is here, and we're here to actually interact with fans, because who knows, this whole published author thing for Ursula might fall down one day, and we'll have to follow our backup plan, which is going back to conventions and selling, like, you know, two or like three times. Like I did for a decade. Yeah, yeah. And Howard looked at me and says, that's a really shitty backup plan. <laughs> it is, because the older you get, the harder it is oh, to yeah. do. I used to be able to take 25 commissions in a weekend at Anthrocon and knock them out and sleep three hours a night right. and walk away. And now I can do five in a night and mm -hmm. feel like I've been pounded by hammers. Right. So. After a full day of interacting with the fans and customers and all that stuff it's yeah. it's harrowing it really can be um especially as we get older it gets harder to do that yeah and the thing is it's not the customers because 90 percent of them are lovely it's just i honestly i think it's it's the floors the floors just brutalize me and yeah. I, we get the pads and the mats and everything and it's just from the hips down i'm basically just raw meat by the end of it. Yeah, that's why I've been investing, you know, like usually about two or three weeks before the event, I'm making sure all of my shoes are in good shape. Yeah, and you know, it's I have good shoes. I I have chairs. It's just bipedalism is not perfect. No. But uh and the last thing I you want to be doing is breaking in a new pair of shoes at an event. Yeah. So usually if, if I want to make sure my feet aren't raw bloody meat or my shoes aren't completely falling apart around me, uh, two to three weeks out, I'll make sure everything's in good shape. And that's when I'll buy the new thing and spend like a week breaking them in so that I've got a week off before I actually have to wear them extensively. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I haven't had to do that in a while because I've got some really good shoes now. Yeah. But there for a while between MAGFest and Anthrocon, I was going through a pair of Doc Martin boots about every six months. Yep. And that's expensive. That's just insanely <laughs> oh, yeah. expensive, you know. Uh, no, I do good with uh, mm -hmm. Tiva sandals, hiking sandals, and uh, I alternate between those and Salomon 
uh, hiking boots. Yeah. And people ask, why don't you wear the new rocks to the con anymore? And I'm like, look, they're very pretty. And also, I might as well just amputate my feet. <laughs> yeah. Some people can wear them and they're great. And some people can't. It, I think you it know. depends entirely on the shape mm-hmm. of your foot or yeah. ankle or whatever. And I mean, I've got a pair of Uggs that, yes, I have the men's Uggs motorcycle boots. They make men's Uggs. They're not ugly. They're actually pretty nice looking. Yeah, they do look um, pretty good. Uh, with uh, with some supportive inserts because they don't have the greatest arch support, but if I just I uh, have inserts in there and replace them about every six months, man, it's great. And um, and I just discovered a new boot that works really comfy, um, and that's the the new Rocky Jump boots I just bought. I should go pick up another pair of Birkenstocks, but that might involve <laughs> yeah. again running into the one dude. I, you know the shop. His shop is ven- much better ventilated now. <laughs> Uh, for long-time readers will know of whom I speak. For those who don't, I wore a pair of Birkenstocks basically into the ground. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the ocean. And then, yeah, I, 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 they were into the cork. I, um, I'm, uh, what's the opposite of pigeon toed? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever the opposite of pigeon toed is, I got that. And so I, I wear the, the, uh, heel, uh, the inner heel out. And... So I walked in with these really beat up shoes thinking, okay, Burks are expensive. Maybe I can get them repaired. And the guy took them away and said in these just outraged, deeply Southern accent, did you take these off on a dead person? <laughs> and uh, and was, she, she's telling me this one. I'm like, sounds about right. <laughs> Uh, he's like, was you in prison and these was the only shoes they gave you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's an older shop in Raleigh. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there was somebody like that back there. Uh, well, yeah. the funny thing is about half the people in Raleigh I've told this story to know exactly, without question, who I am talking about, <laughs> what story it is. They're like, yeah, he got much nicer once the ventilation improved on the shop. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, done a lot of work on the shop. <laughs> anyway, you probably don't want to hear about my shoes. But so. the, there's there's an important statement there, and that is something that we don't that we know, and that we sort of talk about. I'm not going to say on the Whisper Network, but it's not something that's talked about a lot. And that's that the state of your feet and how comfortable your feet are makes a big difference on how well you're able to concentrate on your work and and be productive. Yeah, this isn't the Whisper Network, like the telling people who not to get in a car with Whisper Network. This is the it just it never occurs to anyone to really mention it, and then you're like, oh my god, it's it's honestly it reminds me of the Stephen King thing. Which Stephen King thing? There's a lot. A regular man is a happy man. Oh yeah, from from uh, yeah. Honestly, your shoes and your bowels are probably two of the underrated things that control your. Yeah, because uh, happiness. There's there's a lot that goes on if you're you're having trouble walking if you're. Uh, or your feet are in pain, and this is above and beyond. This is this is not meant to be representative of someone who has um, ability issues with yeah, and legs have, and feet, right? Yeah, we have. Friends, we are so able; it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have friends who are like, you know, it's. I have to make the trade-off whether I am walking today and I'm in a scooter for the rest of the con, right? Or whatnot. It's the yes, you can walk, but. Because and, and again, it goes back to your feet are really important. Your feet mm-hmm. control everything, and if your feet go, you know it's it's life gets a lot harder right. because things are not at mm-hmm. all 
calibrated to that, which... But I mean, I, I think the thing I'm trying to say is here, we're not trying to sound ableist. I realize that... Well, we, we are not trying to sound like we have a major issue. Right. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. but we are uh, certainly... But it also bleeds over into everything, and the whole self-care issue, especially if you're someone who has chronic pain issues or has mobility issues or, or any of that stuff, in that you have to take care of yourself first. And if you aren't taking care of yourself, it's a lot harder for you to deal with the things you need to deal with because now you've got the overwhelming concerns of, oh, crap, I'm I'm no longer able to function at the level at which I'm used to because I overextended myself or because I wore a brand new pair of shoes to the con and then walked a quarter mile and why are my feet screaming at me and why is that all I can think about? Yeah, it's... Uh I am I am extremely sympathetic to anyone with the foot issues, and God knows the ankle issues. Yeah. Although I did, uh, I uh, as I think I mentioned, I think it was last year. Was it last year I blew out my ankle? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, Vividly last year. <laughs> yeah. It. Uh, it. It was pretty epic. I'm I'm willing to admit in hindsight that possibly physical therapy might have been indicated, but uh, but I you got think. better. <laughs> I got better. Our doctor friend on the security thing yelled at me a bit, but anyway, uh, he was very nice in the yelling. Um, <laughs> but I I did uh, I had to use a cane for a while, which mm -hmm. you know. I also was in denial about until I, I think you browbeat me into it. Mm -hmm. You and you and a witchy bunny. Oh I yeah, I just used the freaking cane. And honestly, I felt like it, it got back to the I felt like a poser using the cane because mm -hmm. surely I, you know, there are people who really have problems, and who am I with my piddly torn ankle to be, you know, but. The thing is, roundabout <laughs> so way of getting back to fact, I put the cane in my truck in case something else happened. Mm -hmm. Just you know, it oh, lived yeah. in my truck for a long time as the mobility aid because I couldn't bring it in the house because Ernie has a uh, a strong aversion. Yes, and, no, uh, no, he isn't the the Halloween cane I bought. He has not had any issues with. He's gotten much better. Yeah, uh, but a year ago he was still he was. Well, we'd I only had him about uh, maybe eight months at that. I was going to say also there's a difference between a polished black cane with a, a replica raven skull on top of it, and that basically carved polished branch. <laughs> They found a cane-shaped branch, I'm pretty sure, yeah. and just smoothed all the rough edges off of it, and so it's a little twisted. It looks, frankly, I'll be honest, it looks like a beaten stick. Uh, well, Ernie thought it was, so I just left it in the truck. Yeah. And, uh, but I happened to encounter a large snapping turtle in the road. Big motherfucker. Oh, my God. Biggest, not the biggest snapping turtle I've ever seen, but sorry in size like his his shell was a good 14 inches long he was oh, yeah. not a small boy or girl and uh grumpy so well he was a snapping turtle i had to uh, basically use the cane to drag him across two lanes of traffic uh and traffic people were very nice they stopped a a uh, Mini Cooper blocked a semi for me. Uh, yeah. They they were super 
Everyone was super helpful for the 15 minutes it took me to get this bastard across the road. And um, Just about the time you'd finished that was when I was arriving. Yes, I, I called Kevin because I happened to know he was nearby. And mm-hmm. uh, a lovely woman, Good Samaritan, stopped, jumped out with a hoodie, and uh, threw it over him so that we could pick him up and put him over the guardrail. The hoodie was so that he would bite that instead of us. Uh, anyway, so you never mm-hmm. know when something will be useful. Very true. I got a lot done this week. You did? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, in fact, I uh, I finished the book I've been working on for like 10 months. You did. And now it's now it's time to to celebrate your success. We're reaching a milestone. I did my taxes. We'll work on that. <laughs> well, the, okay, and the thing is as I've expressed before, when you finish a book, uh it's, you know, congrats and, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Right. Because 10 months is a long time. Who am I if I'm not working on this book? I don't know. Uh, on the other hand, I was also working on other things simultaneously. I finished, you oh, know, yeah. the latest hamster book, the horror novel, and uh, put, you know, 50,000, 60,000 words on other things. And I, the latest hamster book did, I think, come out last week. It did. There, the box is over there waiting for you to open it so you can give me my first copy out of the box of the hardback. Yes, uh, which marks, interestingly enough, the 20th children's book I have published. Hang on, I'm, I'm mathing. No, I, I did the math. Okay. You have to count Summer and Arcus, but... Uh, okay, okay. Uh, um, that is the 20th, and it is also the 30th book. That I have published, period, mm-hmm. if we leave out the... Uh, uh, okay, wait, I'm missing one in all of this. Because we've got Nurk, we've got Summer Norcus, we've got 11 Dragon Breath books. Castle Hangnail. Castle Hangnail, right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, 20. You're right. Yes, so... I was, I'm just sitting here going, why? I'm missing one somewhere. And, uh, and the other thing is, since I started publishing in 2008 was when Nurk mm-hmm. was published, this is literally the 20th children's book I have published in 10 years. Yes. And the 30th book I have published again in 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's not too terrible, and I really shouldn't feel like I'm not working hard enough. <laughs> Do you... The, the, stop comparing yourself to Chuck Wendig. I'm, I'm not comparing myself to Chuck <laughs> Wendig. I'm just... I, I, I was just saying I should not feel like I'm not working hard enough. It's... Uh, but... I have realized that this is this is the manifestation of my anxiety. It is mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. I will never be working hard enough, you know. Right. And the fact that I have slowed down on art, like I'm like going this also I didn't even include digger anywhere in there. What well, digger <laughs> digger is is something different. Digger is a whole different category of work in there. Yeah, but it was work I was doing simultaneously alongside. Yes. Yeah. And the the fact that I am like no longer also making a hundred paintings a year makes me feel bad. I'm like I am not painting enough. I am not working hard enough. But it's not. There is no qual- quantity of work that my brain will believe I am working hard enough. So fair, yeah. I'm, but it is nice to like lay the numbers out and go. Well, that's not so bad, and I should shut the hell up. <laughs> like, if anybody else I knew is like, yeah, I've been averaging three books a year plus a bunch of paintings, but I just don't feel I'm doing that much, I would give them a stern talking to. Yeah, and uh, that was 
one of the things that came up when I was talking to one of the volunteer interviews uh, earlier today is that it's it's really hard. We hold ourselves to a higher standard than we would hold other people. Yeah. You know, and adjusting around that is something we all need to learn to do. Well, and I, you know, I often think of it if, well, if any of us, if anyone talked about a friend of mine the way my brain talks about me, we would we would beat the shit out of them. Oh yeah, we would be like, you don't talk that way about my friend, and uh, it's. But I think it it rolls down to. I mean, one of my. I say favorite. Because it really is, but one of the most impactful episodes of BoJack Horseman, which I'm a big fan of, uh, was last year, the episode Stupid Piece of Shit, where the entire time his brain is telling him, you're a stupid piece of shit, people hate you, why do you, why do you bother, you stupid piece of shit, just this litany over and over and over again, and um, both uh, Jeff Jock and, not Jeff Jock, but I, uh, John Rosenberg, and I have... have uh, said that it is possibly one of the best depictions of living with depression that we've ever seen in a popular media. But that if, if our own brain were, if I were saying that out loud about someone else, you would beat the crap out of me. Yes. And yeah. rightly so. You know, if and, someone else was saying that about you, they would never find the body. Right. And that's, but that's the thing is, we are not our own friends. No, we're not. And, and we should really try to be our own friends, but we fail frequently. And then we feel bad that we're not our own friends, and then that adds to the clubs we beat ourselves with. So on a happier note than thinking of friends. <laughs> but I did my taxes. Did you got your, yeah, you, you did your taxes, yeah. <laughs> so on, on the other hand, talking about friends, uh, we had Corey Large on a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. was an interview. Well, the person who had dared her, <laughs> to write in the show, uh, Claire A. Miller is our guest this week. I had a chance to talk to her late last week, and I had a lot of fun, and it was fantastic talking to her, and I'm really pleased to be able to share that with everybody out there right after this. Hi, folks. I am here today with Claire. Claire has graciously agreed to be interviewed for the podcast. And Claire is also a friend of Corey, who was on, I guess, a couple weeks ago. By the time you, you guys get to listen, this was still a couple weeks ago when we were recording this, right? Um, it was. Yeah. Um, so Claire works with Corey. And so now, now I think we've got an office rivalry going on. I'm not sure. Um, like, like in the, the Japanese cartoons where it's not really, it shouldn't be a rivalry, but yet, you know, it's uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> so Corey, can you maybe do a better job introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do? 
Well, my name is Claire A. Miller, and Corey and I are co-workers in that we both um, are in a weird little niche. We're librarians at small, rural state colleges in Florida. And that's actually how we met through the library world. So where we don't work at the same college, we are doing kind of the same thing in the same general area. Um, so I'm a librarian at a very rural state college. We're very small. We have about 2,000 full-time equivalency wow. spread over four campuses. Um, we cover three counties in the middle of nowhere, Florida. Uh, so I have a lot of students. Mm -hmm. um, they're spread out. They're mostly part-time. And I'm part of a very small college. So that means I am one of two and only two full-time librarians that are wow. covering 4,000 students. On four so campuses. I wear a, on four campuses. Wow. Yeah. So we wear a lot of hats. We do a lot of different things. And it is absolutely essential that I stay organized. Right. Um, I also mentor through Big Brothers Big Sisters. I've done that for a couple of years now. And because I love, well, I love writing and I believe it's an essential competency. I got roped in as an adjunct instructor for, for um, developmental writing, which okay. some people know is remedial writing. That's when students come to the college and they cannot yet write at a college level. Mm -hmm. So they come and they take a class with me. And by the end of it, they can write something that is standard English mostly. Mostly. Well, even those of us who, who have had backgrounds and were college prepped, uh, standard English mostly is the best we can hope for. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then how do you keep all that organized? Um, I keep all of that organized through an ever-evolving system of way too many layers. Uh, <laughs> I run on post-it notes. I am the great post-it note queen. Um, but I also have a lot of schedules and a lot of different places and a lot of shifting priorities. Mm -hmm. I have a homemade paper planner uh, that covers the work week. But I actually use Google for my both personal and work. I tried keeping separate calendars for a while, and that really didn't work for me because the personal stuff impacts the work stuff and the work stuff impacts the personal stuff because I work from noon until 9 p.m. I work the odd shift. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I've, I've had... Uh... I've had similar issues where it's like, yeah, I have my personal calendar and I always keep my personal calendar, but I have to somehow at least be able to see it in my, on my professional calendar. Otherwise, yeah, I'll, I'll overlap things in bad ways. Yeah. Um, so I have the Google calendar and I've also recently added Outlook, which is the college's email and calendar system because we got a new dean and the new dean loves to send meeting invitations. Okay. So if my calendar is not blocked off when I am, for example, at another campus, mm -hmm. it looks really bad because I don't show up for a meeting that I was invited to at the last minute, mm -hmm. but nobody knew that I wasn't even on campus. Right. So I now have three separate calendars, all of which my Friday task every week is to sync for mm -hmm. the next few months. Yeah, I... I... I found that at least Office 365 and Google Calendar, if depending on on how the Outlook is set up, is at least you can that you can at least import or at least display them in each other. But it isn't easy or fun. No, I've not yet managed to make them talk to each other, and and I spent a good forty minutes one day trying to convince them 
So now I just literally, it goes yep. from my Google calendar to the paper calendar to Outlook. And every Friday I sit mm -hmm. down and make sure that all of them agree right. because I've made errors in transferring data, which is very embarrassing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've missed appointments because something, the alarm wasn't in the right place or I had jotted a note to myself, but not put it on the calendar that it's horribly embarrassing when that happens. Um, so um, anything else before we go to systems and habits? Although we've kind of started touching on systems and habits. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, how do I stay organized is entirely systems mm -hmm. and habits. So we may as well just sort of jump on. Just sort over. of roll into that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So one of the reasons that um, I finally got off my butt and sent in a, hey, I volunteer as tribute mm -hmm. is uh, your call for people who are a little neuroatypical. Okay. Um, I was recently as an adult at like the age of 32 mm -hmm. diagnosed with ADHD and I had evolved a whole set of systems and habits that keep me running despite never having had a formal diagnosis prior to that point. Right. So habit is everything. I am a creature of habit because my brain will not hold on to the cognitive load of juggling 15 things in my head. It will drop things. Right. So I have to find an external system where I can offload as much of that as possible and rely on the habit of checking the phone for the calendar reminders every morning, looking at the planner to see what's coming mm -hmm. up every week, syncing my calendars. Um, but it comes in for little things too. I can never remember from one day to the next whether I have brushed my teeth in the morning. But I know that I have done it because mm -hmm. I have trained myself that when I get out of bed, I brush my teeth and then I take my shower. And it, there is mm -hmm. a routine right. that does not vary. And it's the only way that I make sure that the things that need to get done get done. And I, I the, that isn't necessarily – I mean, that is whether you're – neurotypical or neuroatypical, a, a lot of us rely on those routines, even subconsciously. And absolutely. So I didn't really realize I was doing anything different until, mm -hmm. um, well, until I watched people at close distance who weren't sort of doing the same brain things I was doing. Mm -hmm. They had habits, but, but they weren't as essential and automatic right S especially early in the morning my my day runs on routine and my brain doesn't really have to wake up for a good 20 or 30 minutes <laughs> and i'm halfway through my getting ready and it's good to go yeah um i also started using the emergent task planner um, when you guys mentioned it on productivity alchemy mm -hmm. because i needed a better way to track where my time was going during mm -hmm. the day um one of the things that's a little different about my ADHD is that I have honed hyper focus to a potent tool for good. Yeah. Um, that is how I get things done, which means if I hyper focus on the wrong thing, I won't necessarily notice that I just lost three hours to doing a bit of research that was not pertinent to anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's, it helps me kind of be accountable to myself. I never show them to my boss, but mm -hmm. it's accountable to myself that I can right. see, okay, here's what I was working on. Here's where my priorities were. Mm -hmm. Here's how much time it actually took me to do something, Right. which is the other thing I mm -hmm. am. Um, I am optimistic on how long things will take. I'm also a crafter. So occasionally mm -hmm. I'll be like, oh yeah, I can whip that dress together in a few hours. 
It is a lie. It is a total <laughs> lie. Yeah. But in my brain, it's very easy to lay out all the steps and go, oh, yeah, that'll take a few minutes. That'll take a few minutes. That'll mm-hmm. take a few minutes. But not actually sit down and add up how many minutes those take. Right, right. So for me, it's really useful to kind of have those little bubbles on the emergent task planner to fill in. Mm-hmm. Because then when I say, okay, I need to design a poster for the upcoming library event. I now know that it takes me two to three hours to design a poster. Right. I'm not a professional graphic artist, thank God, but it's part of my job. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, even even professional graphic artists, I mean, two to three hours may be, um, may be a, a very uh, uh, aggressive estimate, but then again, they're going to do a whole bunch of things that, that you're not necessarily going to do. I've, I've watched yeah, Ursula design. Yeah, I've given design. up on fixing the kerning. Yeah, oh. God, I've watched Ursula go through these things and I'm just like, you've, you've spent four hours twiddling like one color tone for the a book cover. And she's like, it has to be just right. I'm like, I'm just going to step away now. Going to step away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but- so I'm, I'm grateful on that mm-hmm. sense that um, that's actually another habit that I got into. Mm-hmm. Good enough is okay. Oh, um, Lord, yes. I struggled with perfectionism, which is actually an outgrowth of some anxiety I deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, if I don't know I can make it perfect, I can never get started on this thing. Mm-hmm. And that led to some badness, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. So now it's, is it good enough? Is mm-hmm. Does it do the thing that it needs to do? Um, and, you know... Good enough is done is kind of a, a unofficial mantra. Yeah, I think in the software world, the the we have the same concept. It's um, minimum viable product, right? Mm-hmm. What's the minimum we need to do to make a functioning product that we can get out the door into a customer's hands? Right. So some days I'm like, well, this PowerPoint is kind of clunky, mm-hmm. but it has all the images and video and stuff that I need, and it will work for what I need it for. Let's just go. Yeah. Because, yes, if I let my hyper-focus run and I have infinite amounts of time, which I never do, um, I can create amazing things. But I never have infinite amounts of time, and I've got a giant to-do list of things that are waiting for me. So I need to move on to the next thing. Right. Which is part of why I think I love Post-it notes so much, Mm -hmm. to segue. Um, (laughs) Post-it notes are my ability to jot down a thought. I can outsource it immediately. Mm-hmm. And then I can slap them down on my planner on the either day that I need to start it. Right. And then write on in pen the day it needs to be finished. Or I think I'm going to work on this today. And once again, I'm very optimistic in what I can get done in a day. I regularly have five or seven post-it notes, which is more than I can ever get done. Mm-hmm. But at least I'm staring at them and they're kind of there as potential options for what I'm working on. And then if I don't get them done, I don't to-do list, which is one of the things I mm-hmm. loathed about the paper to-do list was rewriting them every day. Right. So I just pick up the post-it notes, slap it down on the next day that it needs to get done and move on. It's also great for follow-up. You're, you're halfway to Kanban. You realize that. I, I was listening to Kanban. I'm like... I'm kind of almost yeah. nearly there, yeah. but luckily the planner seems to almost be working as my board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, but I mean, that's the thing in, in software, you, you build your, your columns of here's what, 
needs to be done with, you know, maybe some dates. Here's the urgency. Here's what I'm doing. And then here's the, the column for it's done, the swim lane for it's done. And, you know, you just move them through the process and you're already kind of doing that. So, yeah. So my post-it notes are, are my baby and I have a ridiculous number of colors and designs, everything from, um, ridiculous freebies from library conferences, (laughs) you know, fainting ladies complaining about RDA or, um, just regular old yellow Mm post-it notes. But I prefer the pretty colorful ones because then I feel like my planner is fun rather than a morass of endless to-dos, which is what it really is. But I delude myself with stickers and washi tape and prettiness. The the tactical error I made was buying black post-it notes. Ooh. And then, and then I realized that I had to go buy a silver pen or a white pen <laughs> because all of my pens are blue or black and they don't show up on the post-it note. And um, I'm like, oh, that was, a, that was a tactical error right there. That really was. That appeals to the inner goth in all of us, oh, I yeah. think. Oh, yeah. Um, so, all right, we have all of this. We have all that laid out. Now you've got your post-it notes in front of you. What do you decide to do first? Or how well, do you decide um, what to do first? How do I decide what to do first? Well, part of my planning process is moving post-it notes around. It's absolutely essential for me to move my post-it notes around and try to be somewhat realistic on how much I can actually get done in a week. I'm still overly optimistic, but at least I'm trying. Right. So I will pick all the post-it notes that I didn't get to the previous week Mm -hmm. off of the previous week. I will make a pile and I will sit down, usually with my fabulous coworker, and mm-hmm. su- hand some of them off if I can possibly delegate. Yes. And if I can't, mm-hmm. and s- there are a lot of things that cannot be delegated just because I'm the one who's got to do them, mm-hmm. um, I'll put them on the day that I think I will get to them. Right. Um, so in the morning when I open up my planner, I grab my emergent task planner, I put my hours in and my Mm -hmm. dates, and then I grab my post-it notes and decide what are my four priorities. Right. And one priority is always email and planning. Mm -hmm. I had to make that. um, I have a four-color pen. Purple is my favorite color. It is always the purple. (laughs) Always the purple. Because it will be on my day every Mm -hmm. single day. I am just going to have to devote it. Gotcha. I've come to that realization. So I have three other colors left and it tends to be like a broad category. All right. Today I'm working on prepping an instructional session I have coming up and that could be one session or it could be four different sessions, but that's one of my big priorities. So it's always based on deadlines because Mm -hmm. for example, I'm teaching a one-shot instruction class on Friday morning. I have to be ready to go on Friday morning. I do not have the luxury of pushing it down the line. Right. And I didn't get to it yesterday, so it's <laughs> got to get done today. Yep. Yeah, because tomorrow's the deadline. Um, exactly. Yep. And now I'm going to be an evil devil tempter. Um, where did it go? Shoot, I, I have um, a four-color pen, but it's not a four-color pen. It's like a six-color pen. I've seen those and um, I don't dare buy one. Yeah. See, and because yeah. if I only have four priorities that I can mm-hmm. get to today, even if they're all interrelated, right? So one color may be I'm doing four different things for this one professor. Right. It's all one color and then I can glance and see how much time I'm taking up. I, for a little while I had a whole row, row mm-hmm. I'm sorry, roll of G2s in every color that they come in. Oh yeah, I know it's glorious, isn't it? It was glorious for about five seconds, and then I realized I was trying to do 18 things in a single day, and it did not 
work for me. Well, it made me too scattered. Yeah. What I did was then I replaced, like, I've got the four basic colors, and then I took the two extra spots, and I put in an eraser and mechanical pencil. Because oh! They have, yeah, it, because in Japan, these things are huge, and you can get rainbows of colors, and you can get erasers and styluses and mechanical pencils. And so that's what I did with the extra slots. It's like, oh, I don't really need – I only need two colors, black and blue or black and red, and I'll just fill the rest in with you know, stylus or a pencil or an eraser or, or something like that. Huh. Uh, yeah. That is tempting. Yeah. More office supplies to less staff. I know, right? Um, Speaking of which, I'm going to pimp my favorite pen right now. Okay. Be- just because we are all pen geeks around here. Yeah. Um, I am obsessed with this. The um, It's Uniball Signo 307. Uniball. The 207s are not as good. 307? The 307s. Okay. Um, they are made to write on glossy paper. Oh. which is glorious. Um, you give them a minute to dry and they are practically smudge free, even on high gloss paper, which is awesome. Um, they're not a gel pen, which I really like gel pens kind of have this tacky feel that I'm I not know. as into. Yeah. These are really smooth and they're a nice compromise between the, um, between the kind of prettiness of a fountain pen and the way the ink flows and a ballpoint, which is just dead easy to use. So right. this is a kind of nice flowy ballpoint. Whereas I've got my my vanishing point um, here. I'll hold it up close. My vanishing point uh, pilot fountain pen. Yeah. So one of the things that I realized I forgot to talk about was that I do have a one safe place system. Okay. Um, That is this giant binder, which Kevin can see and you guys Mm -hmm. can't. It's a a two and a half Mead five star binder. It has a zipper and three rings and two different sets of files that I can stick in it. Um, I use it with a ton of dividers to keep my mm-hmm. little homebrew planner in all the project sheets for everything I'm working on. Um, mm-hmm. Corey, I think mentioned maybe project planning sheets that she designs them. Yeah. I use some of those, but I've actually homebrewed a few more, um, <laughs> for things like class instruction, just to remind myself of all the steps I need to do. Because once again, I've discovered my brain will not hold on to those. Right. I need to have a list that I can check things off and make sure that I'm working through them in order. Mm-hmm. Um, I even have a timeline, almost almost a Gantt chart of for event prep, like, okay, three weeks out, two weeks out, one week out, right. day before, day of, day after, which is when everything has to go up on social media and, every, right. and sort of end stuff gets put away. Um. And all the steps and all the contact people who I need to talk to because I work at a college. So the press release has to go out through community relations and right. the space has to be reserved through another department. And I have to get stuff on the official Facebook page. And it's it's a oh, whole wow. Yeah, there's a process. whole mess for that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've built a lot of that to support me not needing to carry the cognitive load of did I remember to send the press release in? If I look at the sheet, it's checked off and I date it when it actually happens. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it anymore. Yes. Checklists. I'm making like lots of notes here. <laughs> um, I don't know how many of these will end up like in show notes, but uh, a lot of it is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm learning at the same time, uh, 
you as a listener are learning too. I learn a lot from these interviews and I'm like, okay, here's, here's stuff I can either build into my process or when people ask questions, I can roll them into, I can, I can use them as sort of like, here's someone who's done it this way and here's what they do. That, that's sort of our, our roll through that process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, anything else? Um, before we go to the best advice or feedback, <laughs> you know, I use a lot of public accountability. Um, mm -hmm. part of, uh, the interesting thing about the hours I work is I'm actually secretly a morning person, ah. but I've been working night shifts or evening shifts. Really? I should say they're not overnights, but they're evening mm -hmm. shifts, uh, for the past 10 years since I got into library and work full time. Right. So by the time six o'clock rolls around, my mm -hmm. brain is done. My brain really thinks that it should be time to wind down and have dinner and go to sleep. And mm -hmm. I've got three hours of work still to go. So um, a thing I've been doing a lot of recently, just because it's the really busy time of the semester for me, mm -hmm. is I will make a little post on my Facebook uh, saying I'm going to be super productive. Anybody who wants me to cheer on their productivity can jump in on the comments right. and I will cheer you on. And then I treat the comments almost as a done list. Every time I accomplish something, it's a really brief summary. Mm -hmm. I write done in all capital letters with exclamation points. And I <laughs> keep going until either I am done with my list, which almost never happens well, because yeah. I'm overly optimistic, or it's time to close the library. Right. So having that kind of public accountability saying, no, really, I'm going to get things done because they need to get done is really motivating for me. Right. And there's the whole, uh, I mean, there's, there's also things like, uh, uh, I'm big fans of Habitica for making sure I get my, the things I have to do every day done because it sort of penalizes me for not doing it. Um, the one yeah. that worries me a little bit is, um, Beeminder because it literally stings you. If you don't meet a goal or, or or miss something in your habits, it's like, no, we're free to use until you fall outside of uh, what they call the golden path, the acceptable whatever for daily habits um, and timing and things like that. And then uh, so the first one's free and the second one costs five dollars. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so and then the third one costs I forget how they do it, but there's a whole scale and I'm looking at it going, where does the money go? This can't be you guys. This is, this is just like pay us for you not doing your stuff. I'm like, what? Um, but people like it. I, it terrifies me in that I would forget something and then suddenly see a charge on my credit card for 250 bucks. Oh right. yeah, that's yeah. that's worrisome. Yeah. Um, I actually just jumped back on the Habitica bandwagon. I mm -hmm. have been ticking along with it nicely, and then I went on vacation and lost my habit because yeah. that's how vacation works for me. Is I will I will lose habits over vacation very easily. Um, but I had a meltdown the other night because I had not been taking care of my self care, and just everything went to heck. Yep. So I am back on Habitica. This mm -hmm. is day three, so I'm ticking my little boxes. And I actually mostly stay checked into the tavern right. because, yes, it penalizes me. And sometimes that can hit my anxiety in a bad way. And I'm I'm a terrible person who is killing my little avatar. <laughs> and how dare I? So yeah. I mostly keep it, you know, sort of snooze. But ticking the boxes gives me that little dopamine hit that I need. Yep. And uh, I, because I'm in a party with lots of people. Um, I have to remember to take myself out of the tavern after vacation so that I actually do damage as we're doing quests and things. 
Uh-huh. Right. So I'm 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 at the grind quote unquote grind stage where I'm just trying to finish that that whole bestiary of a, a stable and raise everything from little hatched eggs to mounts from pets to, to things you can ride. And it's, it's a grind, but it's like, this is what's making sure I get in there and check the box every day because I can feed the next set of pets that I can maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow I will have the purple, not purple, um, but like the, the blue cotton candy yarn mount that I can ride, my little, uh, plague doctor can ride around on. Cause yeah, I had to get all of the yeah. little costumes. So now I've got, now he's got a plague doctor costume for reasons and <laughs> for, reasons, <laughs> for reasons. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten to play with the party part of Habitica because, um, n- nobody else has jumped on Habitica with me from mm. my circle of friends. And I keep being like, guys, don't you want to play Habitica? We can make a party and go on quests. And yeah, not yet. Nope. Someday, maybe. Do, do you hear that, Corey? Do you hear that, Corey? You're, you're leaving Claire out on this one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's uh, not going to do it. It's too digital for her. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. If, if she could fit it into her Franken planner. Right. Then she might do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So what was the best advice or feedback you've been given? So this is actually from my dad who mm-hmm. was um, first in the army and then in the army reserves for uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And his advice to me was twofold. Mm-hmm. Number one, if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. Yep. And this advice is also very applicable to academia, which is what he did with the rest of his time. Mm-hmm. So uh, if there is not a paper trail, it does not actually exist. And that means, A, that I have to be very good at keeping my own paper trail. You talk about inbox zero and mm-hmm. I giggle because my inbox is my repository. And yes, I could file everything into folders, but that takes more time than just having a giant pile of inbox. That is my paper trail. Yep. Um, the search function and I are just best friends. Hey, they, to each their own, to each their own. Yeah. Um, and the second part, which is really related, which is mm-hmm. cover thy ass with paperwork, <laughs> which is something is going to go wrong. And the best way to make sure that it's not you is that you have the paperwork that says it wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, you have the paperwork that says, yes, it was me, but here's who dropped the ball, really. Right. Um, and the weird thing about academia, and I'm at an academic library, mm-hmm. is that even in a, in a good functional culture, which I think we have, mm-hmm. it's it's very tempting to find the problem and sort of slap the problem rather than fixing the system. Right. So when you can say, okay, here was how I followed the protocol. Here's where the protocol fell down. Mm -hmm. And here's what happened as a result. And you have date time, date and timestamps and a whole trail of you trying to fix the problem. Sometimes rarely, but sometimes (laughs) you can actually get the system fixed. Right. Yeah, and it's it, often in in the software world, uh, we're guilty of the same thing. We have a system that's not doing what it's supposed to do, or is breaking at a certain point. And rather than fixing the system, we throw a band aid on it. And maybe that band aid is, uh, you know, your sysadmin logs in every night and pushes a button to make sure a thing happens. When you could certainly automate it or fix the problem that caused that, but getting it, getting having you have to have the documentation 
to prove that this is taking up time in order to prioritize it, especially in some of the situations I've been in, in that sort of thing. And the, your time is not apparent to the developers. So they will deprioritize things like that in terms of things that, you know, work better for, or that are, are a higher priority for other people in the organization. And then, and I, I really yeah. don't think that it's um, malicious most no, of the time. No. It's inertia. Mm -hmm. But for a while, we had a form that mm -hmm. was a Microsoft Word document. I'm so that sorry. We would, yeah, I know. <laughs> that we would email to faculty. They mm -hmm. would fill out, sign, and send back to us by intercampus mail. And I looked at this and I went, no. Yeah, no. And, and it took me a year and a half to mm -hmm. make my no stick. Mm -hmm. But now we have a web form that sends the people who actually need the form an email when the form is filled out and the world's a glorious place. Mm -hmm. And if we still need a real dead tree paper trail, mm -hmm. we can print the email. It's right. at least saving us at least three steps. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And that's, it's little things like that that you don't realize add up. They really, right. really do. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also easier for the faculty members who have to deal with enough paperwork as is. Mm -hmm. Um, and our faculty members are great and we love them and they love us, but the more we can take off of them, A, the more likely it is to get done and B, the happier everybody is. Yeah. At, at job minus one. Well, I guess that would be job minus two right now. Um, I'm not sure how to classify that. Uh, so the big announcement came out on Twitter like last week and, um, uh, you haven't heard this week's episode. I lost my job last week. So it's fine. It's fine. It was much more of a parting of ways than a, um, you know, you're out on your butt kind of thing. And, and it's, there's the, no, a no drama kind of separation, right? But these things happen. Um, so now I'm confused whether I, I, if, if, is that job minus one or is that job or is that still job current? And then job minus two is the previous. Anyway. Not my last job, but the one before we had, um, <laughs> let me get to the point, actually. Um, we had two tasks that on paper didn't seem that onerous, right? That you, it may be, uh, on average, it took 10 minutes per task. And so engineering didn't think much of it because ops was doing it. What they didn't, what no one had counted on was that if you end up getting 50 requests in a day to do one of these two tasks and then another 50 requests, that represents, um, you know, 500, a thousand minutes, which starts to add up really quick, even if you can run three at a time. And so it was one of the things I did in terms of covering, cover your, cover the IAS and paperwork. I recorded, I, I ran all the statistics so I could say, this is how long on average this takes. This is how many requests we've been getting. Here's the graph that shows it's increasing and that 50% of the time by the operations group is done is these two tasks and only these two tasks. And this is how much, you know, time it's taking. You have to have that kind of a paper trail before you can get things fixed. And especially if it's, if it's a, a an ongoing issue, right? Yeah. And so that's sort of one of the things that I'm known for at my job is the one who, who looks at the system and goes, but we can do this better and easier. Right. And then banging my hyper-focused head against the wall until the wall moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took me eight months mm -hmm. to get automatic notices going for library fines. Just a little email that goes mm -hmm. out 
that says, hey, by the way, your book is going to be due in a week. Would you like to renew it or return it? Right. That series of emails going up to, okay, now really, you're not going to get your transcripts when you graduate unless you bring the book back and pay your fine. Right. That took eight months to get implemented. Wow. Yeah. And then six months later, it broke and took another six months to Mm -hmm. get fixed. And uh, that isn't necessarily a a software or a process problem outside of you're in academia and i've noticed academia moves really slow um it is and it's also a staffing problem Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons academia moves slow yep even when you've got the right people and they agree that it's a priority sometimes you just get bumped down because Mm -hmm. well if registration software cl- crashes and nobody can register for classes, that's a much higher priority than exactly. library fines. Oh yeah, no, I I I, I understand that completely. And there's there's uh, same thing in um, when I've done local government work, federal government work, that those the priorities shift both because of politics and because of okay, so the billing system for the water is water is down, and so that's both revenue and if we can't bill people for, if we can't tell how much water people are using, then we might make a mistake and cut people's water off kind of thing. So yeah, exactly. Um, Most of it is, is much more on the, we can't bill them for the right amount and either we lose money or we overcharge them and nobody wins in that situation. Right. Okay. Two questions left. Which one do you want first? Let's do failure first. All right. We'll end on a high note. There you go. Um, So there's the thing. How do you deal with it if you you miss a goal or you fail or or something doesn't work out? Um, There is the initial rush of, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I fucked up. Yeah. Um, And at this point, I just have to let it sort of run its course. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten overall anxiety uh, under control enough that I can ride it out and it's more like a 10 15 20 minutes if it was really bad mm-hmm. yeah you know sort of adrenal crash and then i'm ready to move on yeah okay and one of the ways i'm ready to move on is by looking for what broke and how i'm going to fix it next time um i am still human i'm i'm very sure of this because i keep screwing up so if I'm going to m- keep making mistakes, I'm at least going to make new and different mistakes. Right. So um, I had this happen. I was doing the Sunshine State Library Leadership Institute. We called it silly because it's a mouthful. Yes. And if you sc- scramble the letters, it's almost silly. <laughs> um, and one of the things we had to do was a big project that was um, signed off on by our bosses Mm -hmm. and our mentors worked with us on it and I didn't do one. It didn't get done. Like hardly at all. So I I had a lot of shame about that and a lot of Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I didn't finish the big project. Um, But we had two choices at the end of the program. We could present on our project or we could present on something else that we learned. Mm -hmm. And so my presentation was, here's what happened. Mm -hmm. Here's how I screwed up. Here's what I still learned from the experience. And I had several people say that they were really impressed that I had done that. And I (laughs) kind of felt like I had no choice at that point. Like, yeah, (laughs) I had screwed up, 
I had to take something away from that. Right. So yeah. a lot of the processes that I use now came out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the post-it notes so that I see big priority, huge projects that I have no idea how really to tackle. Mm-hmm. I have a little like, ten, I tell myself the lie of you can work on anything for 10 minutes. Right. Uh, so I work on it for 10 minutes. And by the time I had set a timer and everything, mm-hmm. and by the time 10 minutes is up, if I absolutely cannot do any more that day, the post-it note gets moved to the next day. And the next day I work on it for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But usually by the time the timer goes off, I am deep enough into the project that I'm just going to go and I will make huge strides. And then the post-it note gets moved to the next week. So you have done, you're doing Pomodoro. Indirectly, but instead of it, it and I, I want to call it cherry pomodoro because you're doing you're using little tomatoes <laughs> instead of yeah, yeah instead of instead of big ones. No, that's brilliant. I love that because really, if there is a project that I'm loathing beyond all reason mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I can't honestly just work on it for ten minutes. And if I've worked on it for ten minutes, I've met my obligation, and I am ten minutes further along than I was before. Right. And some days, mm-hmm. that's all the project gets from me. And other days, it'll get two or three hours, and I'll stick my head up and go, oh, right, I should take lunch at some point. Yeah, I actually started scheduling time specifically with reminders for lunch, because I'll get into those, that that, yeah. that space, yeah. I've been writing this code, I've been trying to get debug this thing for five hours, and oh, yeah, that means that uh, it's now an hour past when I probably should have eaten, right? Yeah. So, Awesome. Uh, all right, so flip side of the coin, the fun one now, hopefully. Uh, although I've heard people say this is the depressing one sometimes. Um, how do you celebrate your success, if you celebrate your success? I'm not the best at it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I do try to publicly acknowledge my successes because it's hard for me to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little bit of, I've heard it in New Zealand called tall poppy syndrome, right, where if anybody's doing something unusual or out of the ordinary, we've got to cut them down so that we're all the same height. Okay. Um, and I'm it's not going to have I, to dig up the, the origins of that one. It, I ran across it and it immediately struck me as that's something that I do in my own brain. Mm-hmm. I think that I, what I am doing is perfectly normal and whatever success I have was no more than what was expected of me. Right. So, Remembering to celebrate my own success is Mm -hmm. a tricky thing, purely in my own mind. Like, the people around me are great at saying, yeah, you did the thing, and it was really awesome. Right. And that's helped slowly over time. But I do, when I get a big project done or Mm -hmm. when the press release I sent out gets me on the front page of the free weekly paper, (laughs) right? I I post about it on Facebook, and I'm like, yes, I did the thing, and the thing worked Mm -hmm. when we did an event at the library and we had 93 people show up for the event. It was like, yes, I'm going to be proud of that because I helped make that happen. And that's huge and amazing. And yay. Yeah. So it's, um, it's getting better, but Mm -hmm. it's something I'm still struggling with. And what I like to do to reward myself is take the time to do the things that I want Right. Sometimes that's a project at work that I've wanted to work on but haven't taken the time to do because we've had deadlines on deadlines on deadlines. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, okay, I have beaten back the housework and we've got food for next week in the fridge and I'm going to sit down and play some Minecraft. Right on. Right on. Yeah, no, Minecraft's great for that too. 
Yeah, you can yeah. pick it up and put it down and, and just rearrange blocks to my heart's content and occasionally kill zombie. It's great. I, I keep finding myself digging long tunnels and running railroads. That that seems to be my thing. So It's really satisfying. Yeah. You know, go kind of zen. Yeah, you just dig dig this incredibly long tunnel, set up a second base, and then put a rail line between them, and then ride the railway back and forth because you can watch the view. Um, very zen. Yeah, it is very zen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Someday I'll do that above ground, but underground is seems to be much easier for me for some reason. Um, well, you don't have to deal with the terrain. Yes, there is that. Yeah, and and you're not running constantly running out of well, I mean, you're constantly running into steel and gold and the things you need to build your rail line. <laughs> Unlike yeah, on the surface, otherwise you're going yeah. back and forth between digging holes and constructing pylons, and it's not quite as fun. Yeah, or maybe I'll hit a point where I've just got excess of everything, and then it's like, okay, now I'm going to build a line to go between the islands or something. But anyway, I digress. Um, now we I'm, do that. I'm making a note to put mine to link Minecraft in the show notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all right, uh, that's everything. So, um, yeah, do you have anything you want to promote or share with the listeners? Or um, I do have a blog that I blog at very infrequently, mostly about library related stuff. Okay, it is mm -hmm. two seconds while I find the link. Okay. Here we go. Claire X Libris, that's one E, so C-L-A-I-R-E-X-L-I-B-R-I-S. And I'll send you the link, Kevin, for oh, the show notes. Oh, yeah, knows. awesome. That'll, that'll save me some time, yeah. Yes, uh, at wordpress.com. Okay. Uh, and I just noticed that I haven't actually updated since 2016, and I know I've got drafts in a folder, so I need <laughs> to dig them out and actually put them up. Put, them on uh, the, put, up, put up the post-it note. Right. Yeah, get, get a get a post-it note on That's there. Right. Um, and the other thing is that Corey and I did a presentation at the Florida Library Association on mm -hmm. planners and planning specifically for librarians. But there's a lot of applicable stuff. I don't oh, yeah. think there'll be anything earth-shattering for those of you who uh, are regular listeners. But there is a video, and I'll send you the link. Ooh, that's really cool. That's really cool. So, yeah, I, I'll be excited to see that one, too. So awesome. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much yeah. for inviting me. This oh, has been fun. It's been great. And uh, thank you for agreeing to, or for volunteering as a tribute, right? Um, and uh, for the people at home, we will be right back. And we are back. I had so much fun talking to Claire. It was uh, a joy. And I got to say, all the interviews I've had lined up and I've done so far with listeners, thank you everyone for volunteering, by the way, uh, have just been absolutely amazing. And I've got some really good ones coming up. I've got a, a graduate student up at Elon. Mm -hmm. I've got a, or I'm sorry, she's not a graduate student. She's an honors fellow uh, up at Elon University. I've got a professional full-time potter. Ooh. I have a biologist and a cartographer Ooh. 
all of these are, are, are lined up. They're in the can. They're definitely coming and I'm making sure there are backups before anything else. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's been great talking to everybody and I've got so many more lined up and a lot more uh, people I'm reaching out to in different professions that we haven't on, had on before as well. So I want to thank Claire because just awesome stuff and really good of you to be able to give that little jab back at Corey now. Um, <laughs> so our badge code this week, um, as longtime listeners know, we issue Mozilla open badges. That is an image with metadata that tells you where it came from and what you did to earn that badge. So it's sort of like a mini certification, but an open standard. So anyone can issue them. And it contains all the stuff so you know where they came from and all that crap. Um, this week's badge code is BigSis, B-I-G-S-I-S, in honor of Claire's work with Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Woo! I'm really uh, proud uh, to be able to promote them and support them a little bit on this show. So there is that. I'm trying to think what else. I don't think we need to cover anything else this week. I've got the show notes just about ready to go. So You guys have all heard the drill about Patreon and donating and all we, of that. We have, and I want to put it out there and say, you know, instead of giving us money, send the money to the charity of your choice, especially, you know, maybe somebody like Big Brothers and Big Sisters, maybe to the... Um, the legal aid for the uh, migrant children who've been separated from their parents. Um, get out the vote organizations are all in voter registration orgs are also very yes. uh, need help, mm -hmm. particularly this time of year. Uh, I encourage everybody. Mm -hmm. If you have not checked your voter registration, you might oh, want yeah. to check on that because there's there are shenanigans going on. So many shenanigans. So it is. I mean, people who have voted in every election suddenly finding they've been purged from the rolls, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Double check mm -hmm. and give it a go. So it's 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 a rough one, folks. But we'll still be doing this thing up and down the waves of whatever the hell is going on here doing our best to entertain and make sure that you stay productive Woo! i mean you know it's just like like the apocalypse will hit and we'll be grimly recording probably kevin and ursula yeah. rats in the ruins <laughs> with <laughs> when we're having to run a bicycle to power the tower yeah, right yeah right so um but hey, at least we'll stay productive, right? Oh, very. Very. 